for listening and watching uh, DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, how's it going? It's going well. I see you very clearly. I love watching us. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it so cool? Like, I and so we just started the whole YouTube thing, and you know, we're 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 giving it a shot here, and it's like, what do we do? We got to figure out ways to increase the views over there and all that fun stuff. But uh, it's working. It it is. Yeah, it's we're getting working. Some, we're, we're getting a lot of views, and we're, we're getting, getting a lot of comments. Which I love uh, episodes. Are we getting comments? Uh oh. Yeah, we are. <laughs> okay, I gotta check that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them about uh, which cap you're wearing that day. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, today I, I put on my my thinking cap because um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out figure out ways to do that. What I did, um, and and you know, so we're doing that change. We're doing all these other changes that we're we're working on with the podcast, right, to make this easier for us. And you know, you know me, you you know, with my systems creation and all that that fun you're, stuff. You're the automation sensation. Exactly. I didn't put that as my title. That's a fun one. Um, <laughs> automating as much as I can for this whole process, right? I've got it. So you know, once we're done with the episode, it pushes up to YouTube. It pushes up to and does all these different things. And I've got you know a little database set up and this custom application i put way too much work into this but it's fun for me which is crazy i know um but in putting all of that in then i thought well well shoot we got to get all the information in there too right right, right. because right. that we, that's, we got a lot of data from it, how many yeah. years of podcasting now I, we're at like 90 some odd episodes here but then we've got like you know for the for the, the daily show that I did, I've got like 400 and something episodes for, right. you know, the learning more, it's like 60 or 70 for the, the Pickleball podcast, the yeah, third I shot. We're up to 40 episodes on the yeah. Pickleball so podcast. We yeah. have like, I don't know, way too many episodes, but I was able to pull in the RSS feeds and parse all that out, get it into the database. So you can relax. You don't have to do any data entry here. Uh, but as I was doing that and putting all this stuff in. Thank goodness, Russ. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I realized like where databases and systems fall down so much. Okay, yes, in the programming, there's problems. You know, sometimes there's, you know, whatever scripts that go awry or something that wasn't set up correctly. But where it falls down so often is the data entry. Well, that's and why I'm so happy that you're not asking me to do the data entry because it would have fallen down for us too. So I know. Yeah. Well, and the more accurate you get the data, the more you know accurate the picture of is of everything. So it's just right. like I, I had that like thing of like, oh my god, I'm so glad I don't have to enter in this stuff, or Greg doesn't have to enter in this stuff, not because of the time, but because of the accuracy and because I wanted to get everything right. I wanted to you know line it up with our guests and all that stuff. So I got all our guests in there that we've had. We've had, actually, let's, let me take a quick peek here. Uh, let's see how, what the guest database is. Now, this isn't just this show. 415 different contacts of, of guests on right. one of the podcast shows that we've done. So, yeah, getting all that right. I really wanted to, to line that up so we don't screw it up and, and send, you know, some well, business yeah, person I, that we talked to the Pickleball podcast the or the message. other way around. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be embarrassing and unprofessional, yes. and that's not us. Exactly. We're embarrassing, but we're not. We're yeah, exactly. Well, except maybe during this opening segment, we're generally not that professional. But you know, I mean, come on, yeah. I've got a hat on. And then the pickleball podcast, we get a little loose because we do shots during the pickleball <laughs> exactly. podcast. You know, it's funny. So you know, it, it was called the third. It's called the third third shot. And so, like, you know, we always have shots before each one of the segments. There's three segments. 
and getting ready for tonight's show i was like oh i gotta get a shot ready i did the same thing russ i did, did the you? same thing all right I, did I you maybe we need to incorporate it in the diy show. i think we do somehow like there should be something where where somehow we we take a shot for for whatever reason Why so not? We'll, we'll have to get that going okay <laughs> all right so my whole thing you know the systems automation you know making things better uh you know through data well that turns out to be an i think a nice topic today don't you think i think so all right well let's let's bring on our guest uh michelle nedelik did i i i said it fast yeah, so i said it, it right perfect perfect, <laughs> perfect. so thank I think you for so joining much us fun to say your name michelle nedelik right right <laughs> I, yeah I could right. be your wingman any day. Come on, just let me know. Yeah, yeah I got it. It, it. it feels like though, like over on the pickleball podcast. So I, I've just started to play pickleball, but yet I'm on a pickleball podcast because Greg, Greg pulled me over there, and and so I'm the beginner on the show. Well, and, I'm glad you didn't mess up your data because had I ended up on that show, I would have had no clue what I was doing. It, right? The last time I had a pickleball yeah. was when I was pregnant. So that was like 30 years ago. I have no clue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh, you know, we would have made that work. We would, it, that, somehow, that would have been somehow, a very yeah. good episode. But I do like the fact that I get to add shots to my list of why you get dirty data. <laughs> like, it, there is that it's from exactly. dirty margaritas. Right, yeah. right. More margaritas, more problems. <laughs> I'm a dirty um, martini guy myself, but it's, it's still one. dirty data. Yeah. <laughs> so Michelle, thank you for joining us. I'll let you kind of introduce yourself and, and, and tell everyone listening what you do. Absolutely. So I am a self-made business strategist in that I started my first companies when I was 23. I started with three of them. Don't ever do that. Um, mm. And yeah. I started them in the Nuvik and the Northwest Territories. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Find populated <laughs> areas to start companies. And uh, since then, learned a ton about business in 2003, uh, started Awareness Strategies. Fun little story there. But um yeah, being able to help business owners to figure out who they are and what they want to be when they grow up, it's a blast and helping them how to scale their businesses and get them growing at least over a million, hopefully 10 million. Uh, that's kind of our sweet spot. And, but we have worked with companies up to 25 million. Nice. So, yeah, fun. So that's that's impressive. very cool. That yeah. is. That well, is so. Oh, go ahead. Heard, well, you heard Russ, right? He was talking about how to set up the systems and automate. And that's one of your sweet spots as well. Tell yeah. uh, tell our audience a little bit about, you know, how you go in and you're consulting and helping some of your clients with the automation side of what they need. Yeah, absolutely. So most often our clients have got to the point where they have what we call Frankenware. Mm. And uh, we can recognize Frank because I used to have a love-hate relationship with him myself. Uh, it's usually where somebody has, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that going on. They're trying to piece it all together, breathe some life into it and make it work. And they're at the point where they're going like, this just doesn't work. <laughs> so, so we are losing more data than we know what to do with. We're not marketing effectively. Like systems just aren't, are breaking down, which is a fantastic place to be because it means you're growing and that you're, um, business is in, in uh -huh. demand and that's a fantastic thing and it's usually when you need a major overhaul to go okay what are we really doing here what's working what's not working uh what are what can we parse out what do we need to do more of and how do we get those automated how yeah. how, how often do you get somebody to tell you well wait we just built this 
We just built this system. What are you, what are you talking about? We got to we gotta do this again? Right? You know how much money and time I've spent investing in this and I have to start all over again? It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, and then the question always is, well, when was that? 25 years ago. <laughs> still laugh. I always it compare like it yesterday. to- <laughs> from now like so what i do so i work for a company called beeswax and and you know we're we're doing this same sort of thing where we're, mind your we're, own? yeah we're, we're actually doing the yeah exactly mind, <laughs> mind your own i should uh but i don't um but uh you know one of the questions that i've started to ask is what cell phone did you have when you built this system <laughs> like did it go like this or you know did did you have to carry it like you know like a brick or what was it because right. You know, think about how many times people change their cell phone out. Well, you also have to upgrade, change your systems. And that might mean just an incomplete like reinvestment. Um, how do you get people over that like obstacle of actually allowing your you to get in there and tell them to make those changes and make it happen? Oftentimes, it's come, well, it always comes down to money. It's It's being able to understand how much more money somebody can make with the proper systems in place than they're currently making right now. So if they're on a trajectory and they keep hitting this ceiling where it's like, okay, we tried this and then all of a sudden 20 people didn't show up because they weren't getting their thing. Or, yeah, we tried to do this, but it didn't work because, and inevitably it comes down to that. And how did you solve the problem manually? Somebody's going in due to doing data entry when they shouldn't be doing data entry. The person who knows the information should be typing it in, i.e. the customer. And it, it just comes down to, okay, if everything ran smoothly, here's what we think you could make just changing your systems over. And here's the projection into, you know, a year, two years, three years. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? So sometimes it's a matter of, yeah, but we have this specialized software system in our website because we need to have this, that, and the other thing going on, but it's all custom made and we don't have any WordPress. So, you know, Google can't find our website and it's like, well, it's a problem. So you <laughs> might be able to make money as long as people see it, but nobody's seeing it because Google doesn't like it. All right. So we need an yeah. overhaul. And, and sometimes that translates into, one of our clients had been around since 1964. They had 180,000 past clients that they had never retargeted. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's wow. like right off the bat, you're going, yeah, you, you got some money we can tap into. There. Probably 60% yeah. of them they didn't have an email for. Right. Oh, they had emails. <laughs> they had a lot oh, of they, emails. So they had, they had all the contacts. Back in the mm. day when they had phone numbers. Yeah. So they had all the contact data, but no... No but contact. no contact just, uh, oh, process. Because it, no it wasn't in that data system. It wasn't in the marketing data system. It was in their oh, wow. past client data system. So do you, ever, do you ever have clients that are just resistant to the process of switching over to something that's better for them? Even though Nobody's they see, resistant to it. Right? I mean, <laughs> they can see down the road, it's going to be wonderful. And you paint the, the best picture for them when it's going to be like a year oh. from now, two years from now. But they like, oh, this sounds like oh, it's just going to be torturous, or we don't have the people to handle this. How do you, what do you deal with that? How do you deal with no, that? No, it's not so much that they don't have the people to deal with it. Usually it's, they don't want to fire Mary because Mary's been around for 30 years and we all love her. And I'm like, we don't have to get rid of Mary. This is not about replacing Mary. It's about getting people to do the things that are fun and creative and spontaneous and messy mm -hmm. and getting computers to do the things that are monotonous, tedious, boring and need and require perfection. So it's just reallocating 
uh, the, the resources that somebody has and putting them in the right place. So it's, it's making sure it's not about replacing people's job. It's about giving them the job that they want and that they like coming to, that mm -hmm. they're good at and they have fun with, not one that they're getting in crap for every day because something <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing too. It's like, do interesting things. Right. You know, like that's what they can do instead of doing, you know, these tedious things that are just going to bore them. Like I, I did, I, I did this little consulting gig where it was a company. They had people that were just exporting reports. Like that was their day. They're export, they're creating reports. So somebody would fill out a request in, in the database of what report they would want. And then this person would go create the report attach it to that and then send it back. And that was, that was their day. And instead, you know, we replaced that with, well, when you fill out the form, that's just a reports wizard that creates the report and you get it like that. And now this person, instead of, you know, trying to find a new role, like yep. they're able to do something that was way more interesting for them. And, right. and that was like, you know, we, we were basically, you know, we automated that in like a week. You know, like yeah. it wasn't a huge process, but yeah. they just didn't see it. And I think it was a lot. What you're saying is they wanted to hang on to that person. Because well, yeah, and it was, and it's easy enough. We just go and interview that person and go, so what do you like to do? Like yeah, when, you're, exactly. when you're not at work, what do you like to do? Do you like talking to people? Do you like making pictures? Do you like making videos? Like, what do you like to do and what's fun for you? And inevitably it's never... <laughs> Right. Data entry and or data entry. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love going at home and organizing all my stuff and doing data right. entry. I like so pushing the ever... same button all yeah. over, <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> I, I like taking this pan and opening it, putting it down, picking it up, closing it, putting it down somewhere else. No, nobody. Well, nobody it's, it's kind of like the AI conversation right now, right? It's mm -hmm. like, okay, is AI replacing people or is it enhancing what they do in their roles? And, and I think where you're coming from is it's the enhancing answer. Right. Well, it, it gets rid of the monotonous research and it allows you to then use creativity. So when AI, well, when chap, whatever, G, <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with it. So I'm blocking out the name. But when it first came out and everybody announced it, it was like, poof, everybody needed to get in there and do their thing, which is great. And I said, okay, the reports that it's giving back aren't what you want to be putting out to the world. You want to take it, use it as basis and then go, okay, it's kind of like if somebody wrote your book for you, a ghostwriter goes and writes your book, they give it to you, and then you get to go over it and go, okay, how do I make it more splashy? How do I make it more me? How do I just add a little bit of meanness into whatever this is? And obviously that wasn't going to work for, you know, computer programming side of things, but on the literary side of things, like so many people from copywriting, reports, blogs, you name it, you can take it and make it your own. And I think that's... The part is people have never liked doing research. <laughs> like some people are good at it and some people find interesting things, but nobody ever really liked it. So if you can get it and have something and then you have somewhere to work from, then it's like, oh, okay, I can fact check the data and then go and make it my own. And that's the more interesting part. So they get to basically get over the boring stuff and then move into the more creative and fun side of things. And I think as long as people use it that way, um, we'll have more of a love relationship with it than a love hate. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I, I use it exactly for that. You know, the, the whole research part of it, because it does, it makes, okay, well now I can actually just start writing instead of 
Like right? nobody likes staring at a blank and page and going, exactly. oh, well, all right. <laughs> so Michelle, I gotta ask you, you said yeah. it's a love-hate relationship, and you know, we're we're equal opportunity here. So what's the hate I, side? But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one, I get lost in it, which is no. that, that there's that. Uh, and two, it's 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 kind of um well when I get comments like, can I copyright my report? And it's like no, you can't copyright your report that you get from ChatGPT. <laughs> you just took everybody else's information off the internet mm-hmm. and scraped it. No, that's not original. <laughs> that's not yours. Right. No. Um, so I guess it's not yeah. a direct hate of ChatGPT so much as it is that the the misunderstandings yeah. that you people know, have around it. Yeah. Well, and also I think the lazy. I don't like the lazy, right. you know, We're like so lazy. just, so just lazy. taking like, We're you know, so when lazy. you, when you take content and you're just pushing it, like pushing yeah. a button and having it created, and then you're just pushing a button to put it on your site. Right. Like how interesting would this podcast be if we had three AIs talking to each other? Like there's, there's and nothing do, that, there. That becomes no different than, you know, clicking on the pen and moving it. Exactly. On this yeah. File. Yeah. It's, it's, it's and, the same conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what, I think as human beings, I think it's a, it becomes a mindset conversation that we need to have more than anything of, is it really about the content that we're pushing out or is it creating connections with people? Because right. all of us have been on LinkedIn and or Facebook or whatever, and we get the automatic messages. And it's like, oh, just stop, just stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know it might yeah. work sometimes, but have a little fun with that. Like, it doesn't have to be about the numbers all the time. I mean, right. I get it. Coca-Cola and all those guys have to be about the numbers, but the rest of us don't. So you know, ease up, lay off, <laughs> start exactly. having a little fun in your job and you'll be more effective at it too. That's the irony of it is right. you can go and spam, you know, a thousand people a day, or you can talk to three and have a little fun with it and hone your skills and say, Hey, you know, okay. If I talk to six people today, how can I, you know, make somebody's day better? How can I make somebody mm-hmm. laugh? How can I, you know, get somebody's attention by saying something they weren't expecting or whatever. And then we end up having better connections and better communication with people right. rather than spamming them. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like there's, there's communication in bulk, right? And then there's these little micro moment communications of like, okay, I, I can actually be real with this person, right? And that's one of the other things, like kind of getting back to what you were saying earlier about the company that, you know, whatever, had 180,000 records and they're not actually contacting those folks. Um, when you do, you can actually be a little more intelligent with that because, well, you've got this history with them and, and now you can be more personable and more, you know, like, okay, well, I can acknowledge that this person has a history with us. Oh, back in, you know, whatever, 95, you bought this from us. And and in, in 99, you, you know, did this with us. Like if you can mention those moments and actually have those types of conversations mm-hmm. and guess what? Well, you kind of can because the information, you know, when it's smart, it's coming to you. And now you can have those conversations. And it's like, I feel like people still though, take the lazy route where I see so many times I'll, I'll talk to somebody and they're like, Oh, well, you know, salesperson, whatever. What'd you do today? I sent out a hundred emails. Well, great. 99 of those went to spam. One of those might produce something. What did you really do today? You know, aside from make yourself feel better. And I've seen that over and over throughout, you know, the, the history of my career of, of well, people and I think thinking that this too, that. that too comes down to a lot of 
um, the entrepreneur, the founders mentality, and and that emotion that they bring into their sales team. Like, is it all about the numbers? Are they just crunching it? We have to hit our quotas this month. Are you having that kind of boiler room conversation, or are you having a conversation about connecting with people and 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 finding common interests with them? You know, making sure that your people are talking to the right people, that they're having those conversations. Because a lot of times, well, a few things happen in the sales department. One, they're not talking to the marketing department. So there's a miscommunication when somebody calls in as to kind of what's going down there. If it's big enough, if it's small enough that the sales department is doing the marketing, uh, which can also happen. It's usually because the owner has got to a certain level of success and then they hire a salesperson. They go, here, go take this role. And they don't really understand when the conversation that they were having with people that made them successful. So they haven't systemized anything. They haven't handed over something to the salesperson Mm -hmm. that they can actually use and run with. And so the salesperson is going, okay, well, what works at other companies? We'll just do that. We'll throw that out. We'll, We'll make something happen because... People need to feel productive in their day. They need to feel confident at something. You can't just go fail forward all day long and you feel like crap. So it's how do you give them certain successes and certainly ways to be creative and to fail a little bit, to grow and to improve a little bit every day and be able to be human and bring that, that side of things. So to me, it's the leadership role is failing if you're at that point where you're going, just throw, throw this out and get my numbers up. Mm-hmm. It's a bad right. conversation to be having because I, I don't see it in the end working. Right. And I think, you know, it really depends on the type of product or service that you're trying to sell, you know, and the understanding of the product. You know, one of the things that, you know, I get stuck with is when there's a sales funnel, right? And, you know, there's certain steps and there's different potential clients at different stages of the funnel. But when a salesperson doesn't understand that, and they're just mm-hmm. taking a generic approach to a phone call or a presentation, stuff like that. And they don't understand that, oh, no, it's moved to a, a certain point where we can have a more in-depth, focused uh, conversation about specifically a, a need that, you know, a product or a service can overcome. But they just don't take the time to, like, look at the, uh, you know, the process and look at the stage in the CRM of where that potential client is at. And I think there's a miss there that happens so often. Yeah. Well, and I think too, everybody's trying to systemize things and automate things. And they're not realizing that when it comes to the sales side of things, that people really do appreciate kind of the the creative conversation that happens when the client gets to talk more. And it may be that you are so niche down that you're just talking to dentists and selling them, you know, the screw for a for false tooth and it's like okay this could be a really monotonous conversation but really if you add a little bit of personality to it and you bring a little bit of life to it then the dentist starts talking about you during their appointments of with their people that they're putting these screws into Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you become more than a commodity you become valuable in that conversation and i think that's where people are missing out on people get scared that automation is going to take over people's jobs and it's like no you want to automate the things that are tedious and allow people to be creative where they are so and i think we're going to make uh we're going to see that people and businesses make a lot more money that way particularly now than they do just cranking out a product yeah you know 
I'm, I'll say uh, this is now kind of going back to this chat GPT thing and, and whatnot. You know, people are perceiving it as something that's going to make everything easier. I think it actually makes things harder. But yeah, you, weren't computers supposed to make our lives easier? Right. But <laughs> right. It, you actually have to try now. You have to, you can't just go and, you know, send the form, like the whatever, the, 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 mail merge email out to somebody because well chat gpt could do that like wh where's your value right like your value is that personal connection and that's something i mean i'm sure at some point we'll have an ai that could do that but right now we, we they don't have a heart they don't have the the care like when i back back in my radio sales days way back in the in the uh late late 90s um uh that's why I have the hat to hide the the, the baldness and the grays in there because <laughs> going, going back to the 90s, most of that gray hair came from radio, actually. But, um, you know, doing the, the, the sales, I didn't go in and, and, you know, with a PowerPoint presentation and, you know, like go through every slide and do, you know, whatever, like, or the flip book thing that some of the salespeople had. I chatted with the person. I, I, you know, listened to them. I checked with their goals. We ended up talking about, you know, whatever else. And it wasn't out of me trying to be a salesperson. It was out of me actually being curious and wanting to discover and meet this person. And some of those sales clients that I had, I still chat with them. Like we still have conversation. And this, it's been, you know, wow, it's a long time, 25 years. Um, <laughs> we do need shots on the show. We do. <laughs> but, yeah. We just had PTSD kick. Yeah. So we can't replace the heart. And so we, we, I think, I think this stuff actually makes it more difficult because we've got to be more genuine. We've got right. to actually. Really and they, care. they are noticing a few trends right now that the small businesses that are going kind of old school and sending out direct mailers again and following up with phone calls and, and things and saying, you know, when somebody calls and it's like, oh, is this a telemarketer? It's like, no, but it is sales. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. And like, what? Yeah, <laughs> and all right. of a sudden you can have a conversation with the person on the phone again. Mm -hmm. And it just, it it's pattern interrupt that people are welcoming and are, are happy to hear. We've all had the experience of when dealing with a huge company that has no contact us form and so you have to go through their FAQs and you're bored out of your mind. They take automation Comcast. to a whole oh, sorry. Um, and then we've all had the experiences where you get stuck on, you know, telephone hell going press one for mm -hmm. this. Did you say two? No. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Like there's, there's Please a time when you can get away continue. with that. You just don't want to small businesses in particular, mm -hmm. you know, and to me, small businesses, anything under kind of a hundred million. So it's, there's a lot of room for a lot of businesses <laughs> to yeah. have a lot of human interaction again. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't understand. <laughs> I, I just don't understand businesses that have phone trees, and then when you get to the end of the phone tree, it says, "We can't take your call right now. Go to our website." <laughs> Man, oh. you Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I just I punched. That. I just punched forty-two digits to get to. <laughs> we can't take my call. Come on, it yeah. just drives me absolutely oh. nuts. You know what I'm noticing about this conversation? We started this whole thing about automation and systems. But it's really gotten to the point about communication mm -hmm. and how we need to communicate better or effectively. And I'm just curious, is that something that you work with your clients on? Is it not just the system side, but it's the communication side? And how do you speak to them? And why do we, 
you know, try to get them in certain conversations. Yes. And, and it's interesting because of the whole, you know, let's just call it the past three years. Uh, the communication is kind of had a, an interesting turn in businesses. I think it's more important than ever. So what we work on is your ideal client's ideal journey when it comes to the digital marketing aspect of things and being able to understand that not every client is going to go through that. And how do you build that out? Do you need to have every step in place before you open it up to the, to the public or can you kind of have it in phases so that your team is working towards this and they understand why we're not doing this anymore and why we're doing more of that and how do we make it as easy as possible for the clients to that love us and want to spend money with us to be able to spend money with us because a lot of times you're not phoning a telco company to go i want to quit right you know how to quit you want to stay with them you just want a little bit of satisfaction to go along with them <laughs> so how do we have those conversations so that we're not treating our clients like crap not making them feel like we don't care how do we allow a different conversation to happen just as quickly just as easily and let them know that we do care about them and we do want to be able to facilitate whatever that transaction is how do we do that easier faster for everyone mm -hmm. um Okay, so how? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's just pull up my little chart here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay, you're you're dealing. I mean, really, like under a hundred million, you're dealing with some some fairly, you know, big companies. Right. Uh, let's let's talk about like I, I I I'm not even sure how to how to throw in in this question, but it's really I guess you can't pull out the charts, but you're dealing with somewhat of a formula or recipe here. Like to some extent you are. And, and yeah. I think it's also important to understand that to some degree in your industry, people have a certain expectation of what's going to happen next. And sometimes it's as easy as if you have a training company or you have some online content that people want to get at, or you just have a billing system that people want to access, you know, or they know when they go to the website on the top right-hand side, it's going to say, sign in, sign up, log in here, right? And when your login button isn't on the top right-hand corner, you're making it difficult for your clientele. It's as simple as that sometimes, but there's so many of those <laughs> that, that we don't necessarily, we're not keeping track of it. So what works for a coach that sells, you know, $2,000 courses and training, does the same concept apply to somebody that manufactures oil and gas drums? Mm -hmm. You're like, well, not really. Well, yeah, actually, really, because that person is used to going online and going to Amazon and buying the stuff they want. <laughs> like, <laughs> that we all have these certain expectations when we're going to a website, when we're getting information, when we're signing a contract online. Like there's only so many functions a business can do online that is startling at this point. And you want to make sure that those systems are in place and that the data is going to the right place. So what I found super frustrating in the kind of, let's call it the startup phases of business is that they're just trying to bootstrap. They're just trying to get ahead. So they're just using kind of whatever software they can to do the job with as least amount of frustration on their end as possible to get the thing done. But what they don't realize is that when somebody signs up and maybe this has changed, but it wasn't a while ago, somebody signs up for say Eventbrite for an event, that data 
doesn't go into your database. It goes into their database. Yeah. And now you got to extract it from there and put it into somewhere else. And they're like, well, we like Eventbrite because it's easy. Awesome. But once you get to a certain size of business, you can't be doing business that way anymore because your data becomes more important than that person's willingness to do their job. <laughs> it's like, right. I get it. You got to learn this software and where these things are. But in the end, it's going to make your life easier because you don't have to do the data entry and transfers anymore. You can just go to the event and have fun and, and make sure that, you know, mm -hmm. everybody's got their ticket or whatever. And it's being able to, there was a point I was trying to make and all of a sudden my brain, <laughs> the, the automation See, side of things. We, yep. we were just kidding about the shots. Like you didn't actually have to take <laughs> shot. Sorry, oh, There's no Baileys in the coffee. Uh, uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, maybe that's the problem. If you had the Baileys in there, we'd be all good right now. No. <laughs> actually, you, you, you made me think of something because yeah. when you're dealing with a startup, you know, there are certain budgets and stuff like that. Are you building, are you helping them build a process that's maybe a, a two-year run process or to get a certain milestones? And then with the plan that you're going to go to, you know, more sophisticated softwares, more sophisticated processes after that? No, I cried when I dealt with startups. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we love you startups, but okay. not you're not, that's not you. That's no. not you. That's so I, I'm working more with, once they get to the point of frustration that, okay, these things we're doing don't do what we need them to do, but we don't understand what the what's available in the market. Why do I need this thing? How do I use this thing in order to get more leads and more generation? How do I have a concise conversation between marketing, sales, fulfillment, and, and being able to break it down that way. And usually what I do is go, okay, there's really only three elements to a business. It's your marketing, sales, and fulfillment. Everything else is complicated around those three. So if we can figure out how a client hops from one to the other, then we can put the systems in place that can facilitate that and understand why we need to complicate the system if we really need to complicate the system. And and is it better in the long run to do it that way? So there's there's a ton of conversations that need to happen at that level. And sometimes it's not as everybody goes, oh, well, it's easy. We'll just get a system that works. Well, no, right. <laughs> it's not easy. Do you right. need custom programming? Do you need systems that are off the shelf? Can you work with you know certain mid-size software programs? Do you need to start looking at you know Salesforce and or whatever? And is it worth it yet? Right? right. So understanding you're going to have to transition your software, depending on the size of your company and the complexity of it. And if you understand where that breakdown happens, then you can go, oh, OK, well, we'll, we'll work towards this. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, um, custom systems versus like off the shelf systems or, you know, like uh, software is just can be so so nice for a business. I mean, like even like I, you know, we we started the show with we have custom software now for for this, you know, tracking all of our guests and our podcasts and social posts and where, you know, like all of that, like it's all in one spot. So it's so much more valuable for us because it's saving us time. It's saving us, you know, and when, uh, you know, once you start putting, you know, a dollar sign on your time, it's like, okay, well, this just saved us a bunch of money. Um, I, I would guess it's it's hard to justify that, though, and it's hard to prove that, but... Uh, maybe yes, so maybe helpful. no. So it depends. Who's going to maintain the software? How easy is, easy is it for them? Is it in their 
price range to be doing things like that. Because a lot of CEOs go, oh, I'll just do it. But then they don't realize um, that's not your job at that level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a cost. It's there's a cost to that. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and understanding what that is and what are the give, gives and takes. So that's why you can't just kind of pull out the chart and go, hey, it's as easy as this. Right. It does require a conversation. It requires a lot of conversation. You need to know what your goals are. Where do you actually want to be in five years? Some people want to grow. Some people don't. Some people want to exit. So they need a system that somebody else can just take over without anybody dabbling in it. Or they right. have the team players in place to do that. Like there's a lot of consideration that a lot of people go, oh yeah, I've heard this before. I need to know my avatar. I'm so sick of hearing that. It's like, well, do you know who your avatar is? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm figuring out them because <laughs> yeah. you're going to hear it a lot. Mm -hmm. So right. how long does that process take that, you know, you're having these conversations, you're having these meetings, or you're probably meeting with the CEO and top management. Is this a process that takes 20 hours, 40 hours? I mean, it's kind of different depending on the client and what their needs are, but kind of give our audience kind of an expectation of what it's going to be like. Yeah, absolutely. So the companies that we're dealing with are usually, uh, like I said, they they have Frankenware systems. It's not working. They're frustrated with it. They have you know, big goals and dreams. They want to grow the company. They aspire to having their business in a different place five years from now. So it's totally worth it to them. And it will, in our case, usually take about a month of back and forth conversations, meetings. So we're spending a bit of time together, but we're spending a lot of time gathering information and things outside of those meetings so that we can explain them in the meetings. And then we go and take it and hash it out and and bring it back and go, okay, we're thinking this, that, and the other thing. We have questions about this, that, and the other thing. How do you feel about that? And all of those meetings are kind of quick decision kind of meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, no, I don't have enough information on it. Um, great, move on and tick the next boxes because we're going through a whole schwack of stuff that most companies really don't care to go through unless they're looking for banking financing or um, serious growth that they actually want to plan out, have a Gantt chart up against the wall and go, okay, this is the month, we're hiring this month, we're saving this month, we're spending this month, we're doing this. Like they know month by month what they're doing based on the numbers in their business. So it's a very different way of looking at business for the most part. All right, I've got a silly question. Yeah. Uh, do you ever get through that point? You're like 10%, 15%, maybe 20% the way through it? And you're like, mm, no. <laughs> this is not a client for me. And do you, do you ever fire, fire the client as you're going through that process? Uh, um, we have yet to fire our clients yet while they're going through that process, but I have been with clients go, wow, like this isn't working out. So we, I, at this point, will kind of try and talk them out of the decision more than I talk them into the decision. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you really sure? Why do you want that? Uh, and they're like, why are you doing this? And I said, because it's going to be a lot of work for you. You have to be there and you have to be willing to do this at this time. So if somebody said, you know, they're a landscaper and the landscaping company and they're like, Hey, it's July. Let's go meet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're not. No. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Um, unless of course they also have a winter one. So then it depends on kind of where they're, um, where they take their holidays, where they take their time off. Are they going to have time to integrate this? Because none of the decisions we made make, have to be done today it's all in the best interest of growing and building their businesses so if we have to wait three months we have to wait three months to implement and we want people that are serious about that implementation 
So if they're not, then yeah, we just send them off okay. to somebody else to go and fill out a template for them and figure out which software is better. There gotcha. you go. Simple as that. <laughs> you know, Michelle, you're not only uh, a business coach, but you're an author. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book, Business Ownership Mindset. Absolutely. So that was kind of one of my love children that needed to get out of my brain um, when I was done with the personal development side of things. And it was basically an understanding that we are born into the world as consumers. We decide we need money and we go in usually into an employee role of making money. Then from there, we'll get promoted into management. From there, we decide, hey, I want to be in charge of my own hours. We go into sales. Obviously, it doesn't always happen in this exact pattern. But And then at some point in time, we go, hey, I want to become an entrepreneur. And at some time, that entrepreneur goes, hey, I want to run a business. Now, of course, <laughs> not everybody follows that same system. But when you understand the kind of the, the path that leads us up that um, rung, we start to understand what's a driving force that makes us do that. Why would anybody be crazy enough to go, Hey, I think I should go and start my own company or three of them <laughs> to its territories and be able to understand kind of the seeds of crazy, where they come from and what happens in those different phases, why the rules of the game are different and how you can wrap your head around that faster. Because the problem a lot of people have when they go into entrepreneurship is that they think the rules of the game are the same as they were in corporate and they're totally not. So a set of people that I used to work a lot with was people that would buy a franchise. So they work their way up in corporate, they get a buyout and go and open up a franchise and then go, hey, this isn't the same as being a C-suite executive. It's like, no, yeah. it's not, it's not at yeah. all. And, and how do you wrap your head around those differences? And the biggest one is if you're looking at other people in the rules of the game and going, oh, okay, I have to do this the way you tell me to. And as soon as I do it the way you tell me to, I get 100%, I get a gold start, I get to move up the rungs. In entrepreneurialness, that is the kiss of death. If you're waiting for other people to give you approval on what that idea is, you have to know why you have that idea and and have the fortitude to go forth because you've decided that that's the thing to do. And that's the hardest thing for people to wrap their head around. So if uh, somebody listening um, wants to reach out to you and get some help, how do they, uh, how do they do that? Absolutely. The easiest, fastest, probably go to the website at awarenessstrategies.com. However, if you figure out how to spell my name, John Nettlick, <laughs> slow that video down really slow and find all those E's. Um, I am any social media. I'll be Michelle Nettlick. I'm the one that speaks English. So there's five of us on the oh. planet who don't speak English. <laughs> I got to ask, what language do they speak? French. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. All right. in, in France, is that how you pronounce your last name in France? Nedalek. Okay. So they, they <laughs> enunciate the E a little bit more than I do. Huh. I, feel, I feel smarter now. Yeah. Exactly. There, there is a similar one in, um, in the Czech um, kind of region of the world, um, but that was, they spell it a little different. So there'll be either IC at the end or IK or some hmm. variation thereof. Oh, so it ends in ick. Yuck. Yeah. So it was, uh, so fun fact, it was the, when the Normans invaded the world, um, apparently they were a little temperamental, black hair, blue eyed, um, and had a liking for taking things over. And they mm -hmm. apparently really liked the north of France. So they stuck there. <laughs> <Hung out. laughs> okay. 
<laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh. All right. Learn a little something every day. Learning more, Russ. Hey, there we go. There we go. There's there's another podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, it was, well, it was a, me. such a fun conversation. I yeah. enjoyed it. That was yeah. great, Michelle. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, and thank you for listening, uh, subscribing, and reviewing DIY for Business wherever you get your podcasts. Over on YouTube as well, if you haven't done so, you know, do the little subscribe thing. There's the bell and hit that. You know what they, they say. Actually, I guess they say smash that like button, right? Like that's the cool thing to say. So there you go. I don't know if that's cool anymore. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'll ask the kids. But <laughs> as always, all the information that uh, we provide here is opinion-based. If uh, you, you want to get some real advice, Hey, Michelle, you can reach out to Michelle, get some get some advice from her directly that uh, will impact your business. Consult a professional for uh, for actual advice there. Uh, we're just talking here. <laughs> so, there you go. And uh, thank you again for uh, just being there with us on this uh, as a part of your journey through entrepreneurship. And remember, with DIY for business, you are not alone. Mm -hmm.